Fantastic. Okay. So welcome to uh, EM Insider with me, Chris Solier, as always, Raphael Kassin. Raphael, thank you for joining me. Happy to be here, Chris. Slightly delayed. You were the one who reminded me. This is going to be more of a Q1 review than a month on month, because I think I, my own poor planning, we skipped March, but there's been plenty to talk about, plenty to look at. So probably the most obvious place to start is performance. How have the emerging markets fared over the last month or even over the last quarter? What are we looking at? Well, I like to look at it year to date, right? Last year, we had a nice year. Um, this year, we have had a scare, uh, but we're recovering to some extent. And that's what I think I mentioned in our last chat. Um, I think the only game in town uh, for emerging debt, right, which are bonds, uh, is, are U.S. Treasuries uh, because of the volatility we've seen. I mean, remember, we were looking at U.S. Treasuries before the pandemic, uh, at uh, the 10 year, uh, roughly you know, a little bit lower than 2% in yield. Uh, we've gone obviously sub, you know, sub 1%. And, and then there was a, a, a fear that we'd go into an inflationary uh, world all of a sudden, uh, which I think was exaggerated. Uh, but, but in the end, you know, we, we've seen, a, a, I think we had about a 6% drop on the sovereign index earlier this year. Um, but that was highly linked to treasuries. And now the treasuries have come down to around one and a half yield on the 10 year. Uh, we are looking at the sovereign component or you know, sovereign index uh, being down a little bit over uh, two and a half percent. We're looking at the corporates down about 1%. This is year to date. Yeah. And we're looking at local, which I continue to dislike. Uh, being down four and a half, roughly percent. So I think we, we're we're getting back there. If treasuries tighten a little bit more, or if the credit story uh, becomes more comfortable, uh, I think we can easily turn it back into positive territory. Well, I think the obvious question is: Are you surprised by that, Raphael? I mean, so much has gone on. So many different stories have been in play. Did you expect them to be worse? Did you expect them to be better? What, what do you make of these figures? Well, I I took a punt earlier in the year, and I imagine that we would be having a return this year on the sovereign side, anywhere between nil and 5%, right? And I can always go wrong a little bit more. You know, I mean, I, it could have been seven, right? And, and we are still quite early in the year. But for me, the credit story in the majority of emerging market countries was good. Uh, there, are, there are a few pockets where, where things have gone wrong. And, and so because I didn't expect inflation to, to, to become an, an issue uh, or to, to be a real threat, um, I always thought uh, you know, we would come back to where we are. So I, to be honest, I bought some bonds when, we, when things were down. Not a where lot. were you buying? Where, were you, where did you buy into? Uh, I bought a little bit of Ecuador, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. And I bought a little bit of Turkey in the long end uh, because there was a little bit of a crisis, uh, a mini crisis, right? The, the president decided to get rid of the finance minister or central bank president. And, you know, it's, it's been going on, uh, on and off with the Turks. Uh, but, that, but I think that, you know, the, we, we saw, to, for, to give an example, some of the bonds were trading near par and they dropped 20 points. Uh, when this inflation slash central bank issue came up. Uh, so I thought, well, that was interesting. I, 
I haven't looked at them for a couple of days, but I've made a few points. Uh, but but I would say, look, in terms of the asset class, right, in general, um, I think if we assume, and, and I think it's fair to assume that inflation is not going to be as rampant and mad as a lot of people were suggesting in the last month or a month ago. Uh, so, and we're seeing that and we're seeing, we, we don't have a lot of room for that. Um, so I think that the, the asset class looks, still looks good, you know, within an asset allocation uh, context. Okay, well that's the that's the top line story. You mentioned it there, Ecuador. You did want you wanted to have this call last week. I sadly cried off ill, not COVID, but we were going to talk in the aftermath of their elections and and the surprise election from the outside. So it looked like the leftist agenda took a took a turn to the right with a former banker taking over power. How much of that is the story, and how much of that have I missed the nuance of? That is the story. It's it's fantastic. I had some bonds before the event. I bought some bonds. Uh, you know, just before the event. Um, and I'm super happy. I mean, we've seen bonds that had dropped 15, 20 points over the year uh, or, you know, last few months or the year to date, right? Um, and, and then we've seen, uh, and everybody afraid of what would happen with the elections. And then all of a sudden, boom, in one day, 15 point uh, jump. And, and I think, and I, I mean, I, I believe the, the story is simple. You know, you, you, we were going to have somebody who was discussing um, or threatening to discuss with the IMF uh, rejigging the, the debt. And all of a sudden, we have a banker who is definitely not interested in doing that. So, so that is, that's a big, big plus for the country. So I, I, I'm, I like it. I mean, it's, I think it's super positive. Good surprise. I'm happy we did it this week because it could have been you know, bad, you know, bad luck if I said I liked it last week. Well, it's an interesting scenario because it seemed like in the conversations we were having about debt restructuring, Ecuador was seen as the the good case, very much to Argentina's bad case. But it, it seems that that hasn't played out in terms of political sentiment. Like you said, people want stability and a much more hardline right-wing idea than a leftist, more socialist idea, from my understanding of it. I'm sort of showing up my limited knowledge of Ecuadorian politics here. But no, if we can, how much does that dovetail with Argentina and what's what's been going on in Argentina lately? Has anything changed there or is that still as, as unpredictable as ever? No, I would I would actually say that the Argentines should probably be thrown out of the international debt market uh, if, if, if there was ever such a thing. Um, the province of Buenos Aires has been playing around with investors and hasn't restructured for a while. Um, I, I think the government is, is not that serious and, and it's very unfortunate, but we've gone completely wrong in Argentina, in my opinion. So, so I'm, I'm not quite sure what their objective is. And, and at some point in the longer run, we will have this, it, it always happens. You have a leftist government who comes in and, and, and promises everything. And when they get to power, they are, they, you know, it's clear that they can't do what they were, were promising. They can't deliver. And, and as a result, at, at some point, this will turn around. But I think it'll take a little bit longer. I think the Argentines need to suffer a lot. Um, they have to be shunned from international markets, some of the provinces. And yeah, then we'll see. You know, I, I don't like RG at the moment at all. Where do you like then? We, we spoke beforehand. And you, you mentioned Turkey there as well. I think I think we've discussed that already. But Russia is something you wanted to talk about before the call. Is that something that's positive or negative? 
look, I, I, I keep my view on Russia, which I've had since roughly 1998. Um, I didn't buy uh, before they defaulted, but later on when Putin took uh, hold of power, uh, I liked his style. Uh, now we could argue whether this is a very politically correct thing to say, uh, but as somebody who's going to get repaid by the Russians, I think he uh, ensures that I will get repaid. Um, now, there are some issues, though, that have been going on you know, with you know, political issues, Ukraine and Navalny. I mean, we could talk about a lot of stuff. Um, and, and I try to separate sometimes, and, and maybe that's you know, that, that's not very popular with ESG proponents. Um, but, but in the Russian case, I, I try to think about, well, what, what would it be like if we didn't have Putin, right? And, and then I also think about who is, who's been playing with him, right? Um, so is he that bad? Or are some governments on the other side uh, pressuring him because it's politically helpful? Um, so it's a very tough case, but but I try to bring just a simple credit case. Can they pay back? Are they a, a global superpower? So, the, you know, obviously it's very different when you're looking at Russia as a credit and when you're looking at, let's say, Mozambique, right? And that's that's why I think it's still interesting. Talking of superpowers, it's hard to talk about emerging markets without talking about China and Nisha Long, Dr. Nisha Long from our team did a piece today looking at the funds that had the most inflows over Q1. The top one was a was BlackRock's China bond fund, showing the appetite for that market. What's going on in China at the moment that's caught your attention? I think the Chinese are fantastic in terms of, of structuring their, their economic direction. Uh, I've been saying that all along since I've managed money. In the last year, I think you're totally right, there have... There have been lots of pr uh, funds springing up uh, to invest even in local markets. Last week, we had a little bit of a scare. Uh, an asset manager in Huarong uh, had uh, uh, announced that it would be delaying their results. And there was an issue with their, their CEO beforehand. Uh, there was some issue of corruption, uh, but that was cleaned up. And, and, but people panicked and bonds dropped a pretty large chunks uh, over 30 points. Um, but they recovered once, once people realized that it's likely that this will be a one-off and it's not going to be a, an eternal default. They, they will probably sort things out. But, but I would say that the most important is to understand that you know, they're quite serious about running serious businesses. And if businesses are not serious, then they'll let them go. And I think this is one case where probably they won't let it go. Well, I think I know speaking to bond managers and also uh, my colleague, Daniel Levy, she did a big piece before Christmas about how they need to clamp down on some of these to show the efficiency of the market. There needs to be a few defaults. Otherwise, it looks like a zombie market in places. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a couple more, I was going to say manufactured blowouts, but I think actually allowing some companies to fall by the wayside so the outside money thinks this market is more efficient than perhaps we previously thought it was. Yeah, you're totally right, man. I think that's you. You hit it, you know, right on the head, and uh, yeah, it's it's it, the market will continue to grow. Mm. It's the well, only we've got this far. 
the only the only country that had positive growth last year, pretty much. Well, we saw in Q2 as well, oh, sorry, Q1, we've seen the huge spring back in their GDP. And I suppose there was that first out, first in, first out mentality with COVID where they've had a lot of recovery. They're almost back to normal. As far as I know, a lot of the industries recovered and that's had a knock on for commodities and cyclicals because they've started to do a lot more fixed asset investment as well. So there's a lot of positivity in China. It's just getting access, I guess, at this moment and knowing the right places to allocate. Yeah, I think, Chris, uh, you know, as we were talking earlier, um, I think this will be an interesting year. Um, how developed markets come out of the crisis uh, and how emerging markets come out will, will be quite, quite an interesting thing to follow. Uh, we've seen an incredible amount of stimulus in developed markets and not that much in the emerging countries. So that would mean that probably emerging countries would, would be in a better shape uh, to recover, right? I mean, we're talking about countries that have you know, ridiculously large amounts of debt now. Um, and I think this will be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how people come back to work. Um, for example, here, here in the UK, I think people are basically back in business. Um, and, 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 you know, in some countries, in Brazil, for example, people have never really stopped working. Mm. So, I mean, in general, right? So it will be interesting how all of this plays out. We managed to get this far without talking about Brazil. Is there anything you wanted to mention? I think we, we spoke last time about how all eyes were on next year's election. Has anything happened in the interim to change that? Uh, it's, it's really messy out there these days. Uh, Bolsonaro is, is definitely not very popular. Uh, one interesting thing that took, you know, that took place just recently is that the Supreme Court, in a very Venezuela type of uh, move, has decided to, to let Lula free um and and we don't know where that's going i mean it could be that unless a very interesting uh um potential other potential candidate shows up um lula could potentially be back in power right and and you have to ask yourself what the consequences of that would be you know imagine that you were lula you you were put in in jail for for a while uh, and now you're getting all your money given back to you, uh, which supposedly was corruption money. Um, you know, what, what is that going to do? And I, and I think that's a big question mark. But I think we won't know that until early next year. But I would, I would suggest, be, you know, keeping a close look on, on the Supreme Court because they've been doing things that you usually wouldn't be expecting a, a fair Supreme Court to be doing. Well, if I can sort my diary out, we'll speak next month rather than next year. And we'll have a, a lot of in conversations before that event actually happens. But for now, Raphael, thank you very much for taking the time. That sounds great, Chris. Thank you very much, too. Huh?